All right, welcome back everyone to the Footy Pod. This is episode four. I am your host, Sean Afkamenia, and today I have a special guest with me. Really excited to, to talk to him today. He's one of my closest friends in the whole world. We've been teammates in the past. We've been colleagues in the past. Unfortunately, we don't uh, stay in touch as much as I would like. <laughs> Bobby never texts me anymore, but uh, Bobby and Drage, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's up, Sean? Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. Um, yeah, we, we, we were uh, teammates in the past. Uh, colleagues in the past, but we are still friends, my man. Uh, of course, I'm just terrible at texting. You know, getting my friends or family. I'm just, I'm just bad at reaching out. I'm just bad at reaching out. Hey, I forgive you. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start at the beginning. I want to, you know, this show is just about kind of providing uh, people different stories, different outlooks. Uh, everyone's got their own story. Everyone, you know, comes from different backgrounds and you know, goes through different experiences to shape who they are. And so this whole show is just about sharing people's stories that are involved in, in the soccer community in some way, shape, or form, and hopefully providing inspiration for others to, you know, uh, apply to their life in, in any way that they can. So let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Dallas. Yes, we sir. both grew up in Dallas together. You were a few years older than I was, but I know yes, that you were... Uh, you know, involved in the club scene early, mm-hmm. and you were involved in one of the big clubs, so you played for Texans. Yes, sir. you start with Texans, or? Uh, yes, yes, I did. So, from the rec team I was on, uh, I had a really good friend on that team for the two years, because I had just moved, uh, in fourth grade, I had just moved back from Kansas, from spending a school year there. Absolutely hated it. Uh-huh. Everything that just has to do with Kansas is just terrible. Oh, I didn't know you moved away from Dallas yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, so I, I spent my whole first years in the, uh, the colony. You know, I was born in Parkland Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spent all the way till second grade. Uh, we decided to move to Kansas. My mom had some friends up there, and she wanted to kind of try something else new. She's always been a nurse, an oncology nurse, so she wanted to try something else new. Yeah, you can do that anywhere. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And so we moved up to uh, Kansas, and instantly we just, we didn't like it. Uh, My brother had had to get his appendix taken out. How old were you at this time? I was eight and nine, third grade, so I'm pretty sure, yeah, eight and nine. Um, My mom had a tumor she had to get surgery for. And so she was out of work for a while. My mom had to come stay with us. My brother, he kind of, uh, what's called? He, had, he got his appendix taken out, and that was terrible. And then we got 11 inches of snow, first snow we've ever seen. So after that that, that school year, we decided to move Get me back. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> we decided to move back down south to Texas, and that's when we relocated to Louisville. Um, and so, like, your question, what you said, um, I got into, uh, right off the bat, got with the Texans. We were the Louisville Texans, and then after two years, we became the west side of the Texans. Okay, Texans Dallas Texans West. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Yes, sir. And then I stayed with them all the way up until my senior year, and that's when I went with the, this is old school, the original FC Dallas yeah. team. Before it was FC Dallas, mm-hmm. it was a golden blue team. That yeah, I remember when they FC made Dallas. that transition. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I got with them my senior year, and that was the last time, uh, that was the last club I played for. So you played for Texans then for how many years? Ooh, from 
fifth grade all the way to eleventh grade. Okay, so six seven that's, years. That's man. a long time. Oh, what yeah. made you decide to switch your last year? Like that's um, that's a big move, you know. So I mean, man, I'm I'm a loyal person. So staying with that club, I stayed with them. I think for too long. Yeah. My ninth grade year was probably our last great team we had. <sighs> Tenth grade year, we had some people moving on. That's when I should have moved on. Mm-hmm. In my eleventh grade year, we dropped some uh, leagues. Mm. And first time I ever played Plano, we just destroyed it. It wasn't fun, you know. And so after that year, a lot of people were leaving, and my coach, that team was breaking up. And me and my coach were really close, and he knew another guy that saw me playing a tournament, and they were in Classic 1, so they were like, hey, man, give this guy a call. He yeah. wants you to call him. So I gave him a call, went for a tryout, made the team, and started instantly. And so Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're stepping into your senior year like that, you know, and your team is dropping down levels like mm-hmm. – you're making a push to play in college exactly. at that point. So, like, dropping down levels is not beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. You have to stay playing at a high level. So, true. it makes sense, you know, making that move. True, true. So, you also played in high school? Yes. You played, you went to uh, Louisville. Louisville, that's yeah. right. Fighting Farmers, baby, Fighting Farmers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old school, just old school name. Uh, yeah, played there. And you were the captain your senior year, weren't you? I was, I was, man. My, my Louisville story is there's highs, lows, it's just everything, man. It's just a story itself, yeah. like, honestly. Um, uh, if we have time, you know, I could tell hey, you. Hey, we got all the time in the world. Right, man. Uh, ninth grade year, my brother was a senior. Uh-huh. Uh, he had played his junior year. Um, and, and, and I followed my brother in a lot of the stuff he did. So he decided that he didn't like the team just because I'd went to go see him play when I was in eighth grade. And they just, a lot of them weren't serious about it. And we were pretty serious about it. Mm-hmm. So he decided to quit his senior year and go play basketball. And when I saw the team that I was coming on to and I didn't want to play JV2, uh, I decided to quit as well and go play basketball. Um, and for those of you who are listening right now, <laughs> bas- basketball is not Bobby's sport. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was decent, man. I was like the Joe Kim Noah, man. I was just hard working, <laughs> just hard working, man. That's all I did. But Great work ethic. Yeah. No shot. No shot. <laughs> so... The long story short, man, my ninth grade year, two practices in actually to basketball after I made it, decided to stay after and play a little bit longer, ended up tearing my MCL. Oh, dang. Yeah, so I um, was out Did for Did it a require while. surgery? No, 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 MCLs never require surgery. Okay. Yeah, unless you tear your ACL or just PCL, then yeah, you can probably gotcha. get some surgery. Um, but I decided, you know, I was going to go play basketball when I tore my MCL and then I was out for a while, and then I had to wear a brace. And luckily for soccer, club soccer, it was towards the end of the uh, fall season when I was getting into basketball, so I only missed a couple of games towards the end of the season. Uh, basketball came around, played with the brace on, got back in shape with the brace, and then finally I was out for soccer for a while for the next start of the season, and then I finally came back. Um, so what made you decide to switch back from basketball to soccer? So at the end of my ninth grade year, our JV coach always came to see me. And my mm-hmm. vice principal had a son that played on the Texans who was probably about your age. I don't know the kid's name, uh, but I know – I think the, the vice principal is Pearson or something like that. But we, we, we would always talk, and they brought me into his office, and – the coach talked and was like, hey, man, you know, you'd be playing JV1 right now. Um, you, you'd fit good with them. And I just kind of told him, ah, I'm probably going to stick with basketball. And he kept asking me questions about next year. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not really too sure. So he decides, hey, I'll play you in horse for it. 
And I'm thinking, all right, well, this guy's a soccer coach. Now it's getting interesting. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so me being me, you know, I'm playing basketball. He's a soccer coach. You know, this guy loves fishing and everything like that. What does he know about basketball? Right. So, you know, I play him in horse. Easy game. No. Not so much. <laughs> I think I got him to H, and I didn't get skunked, but I think I got him to H, and then he beat me, and I, I really liked the guy, so I decided to go back and play. Um, so going into my sophomore year, I went back to soccer, and he, he was a guy that really saw the game and understood the players he had, and that's something I didn't understand my freshman year. Yeah, And when I saw him, I was like, oh, man, this guy doesn't know soccer or whatnot. But he understood the players he had. So yeah. he was all about fitness. And he got me back into really, really good shape, man. Nine weeks of running, man, just running. And so when, when I uh, came back my sophomore year, um, I saw the team for JV, and I really liked the team for JV because uh-huh. our freshmen were really good. And we had humble uh, sophomores. I uh, looked at the senior or the seniors and juniors for varsity, and you know there was a lot of good seniors we had, but only like two of them took it serious. Mm-hmm. So there was a time where our JV tournament got canceled, <laughs> and they wanted me to kind of come up to play varsity, and I told them no because I didn't want to be stuck you didn't on want to waste team. your time. Exactly, that's exactly it. So I wanted my own team, and so yeah, we went on. I was on JV. I was a captain of JV, and we did really, really, really well. And the next year. We were, I was a junior, and that's when um, some things just went terribly wrong with our team, and I was I was angry that year. Yeah. Club wasn't going right. High school wasn't going right. The seniors Frustrating had, time. Oh, real frustrating time. The seniors we had were rec players. Yeah. They weren't really soccer knowledgeable, you know? Yeah. And the coach that we had at that time, it wasn't our JV coach, the same guy I was talking about, who's Tony Hanser. It was, a, it was another guy, and he just didn't really know soccer that well. You know, he was a basketball player that played in our school in the 70s, and his wife played college soccer, and he just kind of fell in love with the sport. He was kind of an enthusiast, you know. Mm. But he didn't really know the game, and we, we would go into games with a lot of our seniors being in the back. And we would play uh, back three, but not what you're thinking about. We would have a sweeper, and then the other two in the back were more Classic guys. high school system yeah. right there. Yeah, and it just never worked out. Like, once once you play against a great team, they would just switch their forwards, and it would just leave open gaps for yeah. everyone else to run through the wings. And it was just kind of a mess. And we talked to the coach one time, me and another kid who was a sophomore, and we told him we should play a back four with me and him as a center backs because we had played center back, and we know the game. And yeah. we, we know just how to control the team from that. And we played a really good team, uh, Rockwall. Uh, at halftime, we're 0-0. We're doing well. And he just decides, now oh, we got to switch back because we got to play the seniors. Man, we end up losing the game 4-0. And that was the start of just the end yeah. of everything. Like, I started getting into it with the coach. I actually wrote a petition to get him fired because I just felt like nothing was take, being taken serious. Yeah. Like, we would go. We, there's this place called the Barn that we had. Um, on our campus, and it was a little indoor 5v5 field, and we would just go play that all the time. Yeah. We wouldn't work as hard as the JV team who's doing sprints all the time, working hard, because they know that the teams that we play are the best teams in Texas. And so we have to have an element in the game to impose ourselves into the game. You have to be able to play. Yeah, and our, our, our technical ability and our tactical ability is not going to match other people, so it's like you got to be fit. Yeah. you got to be fit because you just got to stay in the game. You right. Know? And that's something we didn't do our junior year. We only won, I think, two games that year, and one was off dribble-ups. I don't know if you remember high school soccer with yeah, dribble-ups. Yeah. I don't think they do it they anymore. They don't exist anymore. Yeah, what do they do now? 
I think PKs. Oh, really? Yeah, straight PK. PKs? Yeah. And so... Just let it be a draw, man. <laughs> right. why, do you, why do you have to get a result? Like, <laughs> I don't it's know. regular season. Obviously, if it's knockouts, yeah, do the penalty shootout. But it's America. It's America. <laughs> it's America. We always have our own rules. But, um, and so that year, um, I ended up, at the end of the season, getting kicked off. Um, Just because you were, like, leading the way and kind of trying I, to get your coach out. Yeah, and I butted heads with the, the uh, captains a lot, and it was just kind of a, a mix in the locker room and just people one side, people on the other side. And, I, I mean, at the time, I felt like I was making the right moves for yeah. the sake of the team. I wasn't being disruptive. Your intentions were good. Exactly. I wasn't being disruptive in, like, in a bad way. I was just trying to – I wanted us to move in the right way yeah. to be competitive, you know? And so in the spring, the coach came back to me, and we had a discussion, like one-on-one discussion. And he asked me to come back because he wanted me on the team because a lot of people liked me on the team. And I just kind of told him, like, you know, there, there has to be changes. There, there has to be structure. There has to be, um, you know, uh, what's called organization within our team, you know. That's a day-to-day thing, practices, everything like that. And I let him know, uh, I'll come back if I'm the captain, and I get to choose the captain. And there was a kid on there who um, was in my grade who, who had been on varsity since his sophomore year, uh, the year where I decided not to go, and he went. Mm-hmm. And I always said, look, he's going to stay captain. You know, he's been there. He's done his work. He's one of those kids that are humble. He worked hard all the time, and, and, I, and I enjoyed him as well. Yeah. And, but then I told him that, um, that one of our other juniors were probably going to be looked to be captain, but I told him, like, we're going to have to pick a, a Latino captain because the, the locker room was really – drawn apart in mm. the sense of there was the Caucasian kids kind of played club and everything and right. there was the Latino kids that really didn't play club couldn't really afford it and whatnot and it, there was no mix in the locker room yeah, yeah. and there were never ever captains you know for them so you know I picked one of those kids to be captain just to draw the team closer together smart yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the practices changed we ran a lot like we went back to that old JV style because we needed to be we needed to compete we, if nothing else, just instill that discipline exactly. in the work ethic in the team. Exactly. So we could at least put pressure on other teams and, and hold a 0-0 tie, or maybe we get one goal in, we can hold a lead for a long time because yeah. we're going to put pressure on people, pressure, pressure, pressure. And, you know, it, it, it worked out really well because we knew our junior class was – they were the talented kids on our team senior class we were more humble just working hard kids our junior class was a talent and it worked out well we went in off season we went undefeated and one of the biggest points was we played i think it was keller or keller central one of the two but they were ranked pretty high in texas they were beating us one zero the whole game joking around whatnot and one of my uh friends on the team with about 50 seconds left in the game got the ball out wide crossed it, I headed it, scored, we tied it up, and man, after that, it was an emotional, just like, speech afterwards, yeah. like, we all rallied against, yeah. around one another, and did it, you give it the was speech? go time, I did give the speech, yeah. I did give the give speech, give me a little man. snippet right now, so I just, it was just a little, uh, you know, we can do anything if we just, like, work our butts off, stay together, yeah. you know, and our coach was just loving it, and it was just, it's just a little bit emotional bonding time, and that know? just turned things around for you it guys, turned everything around, man, and sometimes Sometimes all it takes is just that one little moment, you know? Yeah, it's true. Because we, we were going into a season playing against teams like Coppell, who's uh, ranked top 10 in the nation. Marcus, who's ranked top 10 in the nation. Plano West. 
um, Allen, ranked number six in the nation, Plano East, mm -hmm. Plano, just all those big name schools, you know, and we're Louisville. <clears throat> you know, we're known for football and basketball, but, you know, we worked hard and we missed playoffs by one game that year. And that was, that was an achievement. We all felt like it, it was a really big achievement. And the, my junior and senior year, even if I got kicked off my junior year, I got voted MVP both years back to back. So, That's awesome. You know, yeah, it was, it was pretty, a pretty big honor, man. And I really I appreciate it. And I'm actually really good friends with that uh, coach now. That's, That's awesome. Senior coach, so. Or my, uh, the varsity coach. So, hey, that's that's. I mean, that shows like a clear progression right there. I mean, you yeah. started like JV two. You weren't really like you know too involved. You didn't really like it too much. You quit. Mm -hmm. You came back. You were in JV one, and then you worked yourself into the varsity team. Mm -hmm. You quit or got kicked off, and then you came <laughs> right back and led the team to like you know at the time what was their most. Uh, successful year yeah so yeah. like that's fantastic and you know just listening to you tell that story from your entire high school year and how it developed I think it really says a lot about who you are because you know from what I know about you I know that you're very serious like you're a fun guy but you're also very serious and you want things done the right way and you don't you don't just accept like things being done to a low standard yeah and and that's all it was so there was no like bad intentions to you like you know leading that revolt in your team <laughs> yeah. like you just wanted what was best for not only you but for everyone and you know so even if that means playing at a lower level like you know your high school team wasn't a super high level mm -hmm. um and then you know the the Texans team you were on wasn't a super high level but if things were being taken seriously if things are being done the right way then you're going to be about it you mm -hmm. know what i mean exactly. and you're going to be a part of that process to get it to where it needs to be exactly you don't have to be you're not you're not you're not you know a team hopper where you're just going to go and play for the best team like, mm -hmm. that's not what you're about but you're about making sure that steps are being taken to eventually become the best yes because what else are you going to do like yeah. you know you're just going to accept being less than your best like what kind of life is that you're, you're, you're playing a competitive sport youth competitive sport you got to be competitive yeah just got to compete man that's all it is like and, and your best will always shine you compete, exactly. your best will always shine no matter what and people take you serious and for people sure will respect you all the time so absolutely that's the way i see it so then, you know, you graduated high school. Yes, sir. Um, you then we met up at West Texas A&M. Yes, sir. So you went to school there. You got there uh, two years before me, yes. I believe. Yes. Yeah. You came in '09, right? Correct. Yes, two years before. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were there a couple years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you you weren't playing a whole lot, no. and <laughs> it wasn't really maybe you know the the most fun for you yeah but you still made the most of it again yes, sir. so you know just kind of walk me through now like your time at wt and how that progressed for you uh freshman year was was a, was a hard year a hard 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 year but it was also um um how can i put it an epiphany mm -hmm. with the sport i that's when i realized that I'm not one of the bigger fish in the sea. Yeah. You know, um, going there that year, I think we only had two American starters. One was a keeper that actually came from my club team. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one was a midfielder. And he was the epitome of an American player at that time. 
Aaron Thornton. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, he was just a bulldog, man. He just did all the dirty work, um, tracked people down, tackles, yep. you know, just all the stuff that you expect, like, a, a, an American midfielder to right. be, you know. And everybody else on that team was foreign. Yeah. And I realized how much more smarter they were than us in the game. They just had <laughs> such a deeper technical and tactical background. Yes. Like, yes. not yes. only are they getting much more in-depth level of training but they're also just seeing the game and they're like in in invested into a culture that is just so much more advanced yes. than we are here exactly and when i when i went into that uh summer the preseason i went in there thinking okay i gotta I'm, i want to make the starting lineup like that's that's my goal i want to make the starting lineup because i walked in walked onto that school i was supposed to go to another school but i couldn't really afford it so and i went to a camp there i think in 10th grade so i knew about that school and I was walking on, and I was like, I can, I can still make the starting lineup. Yeah. And then starting preseason, I realized, man, I need to make the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's step and, one. Yeah, everything changed. My mindset changed. It was, it was a grind. Man. Yeah. And I remember um, it got to the point where I knew how serious it was when uh, the third to last cut, they cut a senior. A senior forward on the team. They had been there all that, four years. They had been there all, yeah, all four years. And I and he started, too, the year before. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And Nobody's I, safe. Nobody's safe. And no, <laughs> no one expected that either. Yeah. And it was crazy. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And so um, there was one more cut to be made, and it was me and a cousin of our right back. And I remember going into those last two practices, man, it was some of the most just stressful times <laughs> alive and I remember one practice um, we were doing uh, some defensive drills and everybody else is on the outside and, and you were playing as a right back at this time because that's what you were whenever I came in yes okay. yes yes so I came in as a center back right back but I, I, I kind of moved more towards right back because the center backs were much bigger than I was. yeah so I think it was just the smartest move just to move to a right back sure and at this time, we're playing this drill like where you have four players in the middle, four or five players in the middle, everybody else on the outside, and you're just moving the ball. You're just mm-hmm. moving the ball, and they're just trying to get their defensive shape. you got to shift and, and rotate. Exactly. And so I remember this drill. The kid was standing right next to me. Somehow we ended up standing right next to each other. And I remember as this drill was going, I, it was so stressful. I was counting every time he would mess up and make sure that I didn't have as many right. mess ups as he did. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew, like, got to where I was Where at. you stood, yeah. Yes. And I remember one time I, I completed one pass. I was like, yes. I completed another one. I was like, yes. He messed up. And I was just like, yes. All right. Plus two. Yeah. <laughs> and then he messed up again. And he, he was just stressing as well. And I remember at the end of that day, I think like two days later, they made cuts. And he got cut. And they said, this is the final roster. And I so happy. Yeah. They told me I was registered and I was I was blessed just to be registered yeah. on the team because I saw how good that team was and I did not think a division two team could be that good. And that was actually one of our best teams ever. Well that's that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Division two is 
pretty much the same level yes. as Division One. Yes. If you're looking at the top 25 to 30 programs in the country, like, yes. it's the same level. Pretty much. The main difference is going to be, number one, there's going to be more foreigners in Division Two. Yeah. Like, Division One players are going to be the top American players that go. Mm-hmm. Division Two, you'll get kind of the leftovers, and then the top international players you can get. Mm-hmm. And then probably physically, it's a little bit yes, of ath- a lower... Athleticism yeah. is everything in, in Division One, Right. And but technically, like, on the ball, it's the same. There's yeah. no difference. Yeah. I remember we played New Mexico Lobos, and they had made it to a Final Four uh, my freshman year, the D1. Uh, yeah. Uh, D1 yeah, I was Lobos. there that year. Yeah. yeah. And we played them in the spring, and we lost them 2-1. to one. And our forward, you remember Ben Everson, mm-hmm. he came in my freshman year, was amazing that game. And that's when I knew. I was just like, man, this kid should not be in D2. He should be playing somewhere else. Yeah. And, yeah, there's 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 a lot. You could say with Division two players, they're, they're still technically and tactically really knowledgeable mm-hmm. about the game. It's like Especially one, because most of them are coming from other countries yes. where they just got better training. Yeah. Good yeah. academies, great academies. So, so you could argue that they're even in a more advanced level than a lot of Division One players. Yeah, yeah you, you could say that. There, there's um, with Division One, it's getting a lot better. Yeah, they have, uh, I think, a lot better coaches now mm-hmm. um, that know the game and understand the game. There's a lot of good uh, programs out there that I like. Wake Forest's program, they have a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the women's side, there's a uh, I think it's Tennessee. Their program is really yeah. Good. So, you know, for me, I remember coming in my first year (laughs) and, like, just seeing the size of these guys. And, like, not only that, but it's like you're going against grown men. Yes. Not just, like, 22-year-old grown men. Mm -hmm. We're talking about guys that actually played professionally in, you know, Denmark, in, you know, different countries. They're coming over Israel as 26-year-old players as their, as, a, as a senior. Yes. I'm sitting here, you know, 17-year-old <laughs> freshman, and I'm like, what what is happening here? Is this illegal? Like, are you guys allowed to do this? What was it like for you coming in? Obviously, for you, it was the same. You know, you yeah. had some older players. Eye that, opener. Huge yeah. Eye opener. Yeah. Um, after that, it was just how... how Right when you after you make the team and you're on there, it's it's what can you contribute to the team? Like that's all I always thought. Yeah. Like if you want to stay on this team, if you want to be noticed, how can you contribute to the team? Like a lot of people, when you're not the number one or the starting eleven or even the starting fourteen, you know, you just kind of take a back seat and cruise. But with yeah. me, it was just like, what can I contribute to the team? And it was just everyday practice, man. Mm-hmm. Every scrimmage, just give it to your all. You know, you want to be, if you're the right back, you want to be the best defender to that left midfielder so that when he plays in games, man, you, he can come back and say, man, practice was much harder than these games. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's how I always took it. And I always knew, like, my work ethic is, is the biggest contribution to anything, like, in the sport. I, I realized that the coaches I had, what – what they instilled in me, like they probably didn't know the game as much as most of these guys that I'm actually playing with now in college, these foreigners, but they understood fitness, work ethic, uh, defending, you know, and then one of my last few years I had a really good uh, tactical coach, so I really knew my position really well, you know, mm-hmm. 
And so... Was that Wes? Is that I what you're talking about? No, no, no. This was before college. Wes oh, was in, in was high school. school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I remember you, you, you and a lot of the upperclassmen at WT spoke very highly yes. of... Yeah. Wes Skeevers was the assistant coach the first year, and he was, he was a great coach. That guy, he was an American, mm. and he just knew the game. Like, I had never had an American coach like that. They just knew the game, knew the tactics, what you needed to do. He was a fun guy. He was always straightforward to you. Even mm-hmm. when he played against you, he was straightforward to you all the time. And I, I enjoyed that, you know. I, it's just I like that, that person that has knowledge but also has discipline with his knowledge, you know. And when he – after my freshman year, he left. And that scared the bejesus out of me. Because <laughs> you had a connection with him, I and you did. were, like, comfortable, and you were ready to work for him. Yeah, and he was the person that I always talked to. Me and the head coach didn't really talk all that much, you know, so I, I figured after this guy leaves, where, where am I standing right. in this team? Because if if he leaves, and I never talk, really talked to the head coach, like, is he just going to cut me and replace me, mm-hmm. you know? So um, one thing that I, I, I really got accustomed to was – befriending a lot of the better players on the team. Yeah. It was just because I knew if I could befriend them, I could train with them, and yeah. they could teach me a lot of stuff. Yeah. In, in which a lot of them <clears throat> did. Um, of course, I said Ben Everson. Mm-hmm. He was one person over the summer, you know, both of us kind of um, were kind of, uh, what's it called, lackluster in classes. So we do some classes over the summer. Yeah. And we stayed together, and we trained together all the time. And he technically just got me better, just better. And, and how to pass a ball how to, how to uh, I say, slap a ball in there, like yeah. just make a sharp pass, the technical movements with everything. He, he was just uh, a person who technically got me sharper. Um, and then my next year, sophomore year, um, he brought two of his friends over who had came from the Middlesbrough Academy in England. And I befriended both of them. One was a keeper, one was a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, Dom Seb, and Seb. Yep, Dom was the midfielder and Seb was the keeper. And those two absolutely helped me become a miles, 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 miles better player. From what to watch for when you're watching a game. Not to just watch a game, but like pay attention to the formation. Pay attention to the defensive formation. What's happening away from the ball. What's happening away from the ball. What what your player in the position is doing. And and just doing that and watching the game and understanding that, my my level jumped a lot. Um, and then, of course, Dom helped me. It, it wasn't even so much because Dom was not a person who talked a lot. So it was just watching his mannerisms mm-hmm. all the time. Like, mm-hmm. the guy. Just um, the way that he carried himself, the exactly. way that he trained. A lot of people thought he was a dick of a person. Like, yeah. Just, just like a, a mean person. But the thing is, he he always was in his head, calming himself down and just setting his mind for the game. Yeah. And some people would always try to come and joke with him and he'd like, you know, get away from me mm-hmm. or just kind of walk away from him because he doesn't want outside distractions distract him from the game. I would say he was most like Kevin De Bruyne. He's, he's, he's like, he looks like him. <laughs> he <laughs> plays like him. Like exactly. they are pretty much identical twins. Exactly. And the guys, the guys just, his, his, his mental capability was his best weapon in games because he he just never let down and technically he was great tactically he was great but his his just mental was fortitude I guess you could say yeah. it was just amazing it was it was amazing and that's something I learned from him a lot and we we took a, a, a um, 
in, in college, what, what we took a liking to a lot was sports psychology and sports sociology. And when I looked into that a, a lot more, it was just, it was, it was something beautiful, man. Because you never thought the game went deeper than playing it and The physical yeah. side of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it was just an eye-opener. And that applies to all sports, you mm -hmm. know. The mental side of it is the most important part, yes, you know. Exactly. And that translates to life as well. Like yeah. If you're able to visualize what you want to create in, in games, in practices, then your body is going to follow it. If you're able to visualize in life what you want to achieve, mm -hmm. your body, your actions are going to follow it. Exactly. And I think exactly. that's kind of where our, you know, well, that is, you know, basically where our stories kind of come together. Mm -hmm. um, I came in as a freshman. You were a redshirt sophomore, so a junior in school. Mm -hmm. And I was the same way, like, you know, I, I latched on to you right away, mm -hmm. you know, just, I don't know why, I, I, I don't even remember how we first interacted, but... I think it was more because I, I felt I was more inclined to help out the younger kids. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really always playing, so I just always wanted the second team to be better than the first team. Yeah. And I always talked to players, I always just try to comfort them, just because I knew... When I was a freshman, how hard it was just being in a different place. Yeah. And uh, you being from Dallas and me being from Dallas, yeah, I mean, yeah. just like how much of uh, you're going from a big city to like kind of a small country town. Yeah. So it was just it was just like a, a lot different. So it was just kind of more comforting. Like I just remember my freshman year and just how much my freshman year I probably wanted to leave more than anything, mm -hmm. but. As, as time went, I got accustomed to the place, and I started I actually really, really like the place now, you know? Yeah, for and sure. I just wanted to help out just the youngsters and whatnot. You well, know? you did, and, and, you know, when I came in, like, just getting to know you right away helped me feel a lot more comfortable. Obviously, I still had, you know, a few people that I knew from Dallas that came mm -hmm. in as freshmen with me, so that was easy. But then I also did what you did in really just focusing on the international players, like, mm -hmm really just watching everything that they did. And, like, I had, you know, a fairly close relationship with them mm -hmm. because I, you know, was close with you in the beginning, but you were a lot closer, obviously, so I was more kind of just observing from the outside because mm -hmm. you were actually roommates with them, yeah. you know, so you knew them a lot better. Yeah. But I still hung around them a lot. I still talked to them a lot, and I still watched everything that they did because I knew that I was going to learn more from them than I was from my coaches, exactly. unfortunately. yeah. And that's just the way it was. And yeah. I knew that, like, if I was going to be in this position, I was going to make the most of it. And, you know, while it was extremely frustrating not being able to get an opportunity to express myself and show what I could do, um, it was still a situation where am I just going to, like, allow this to happen to me or am I going to try and make the most of this situation and at least take something away from it? Yeah. And I took so much away from watching those players play, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, while it, it killed being at WT those four years, while it did kill my individual, like, fire, mm -hmm. my passion for the game and, and wanting to play, and, like, while it affected that in a negative way, like mentally it just pushed me beyond where I thought that I could go because I saw where they were at and I knew that I could get there if I was given the right tools to, yeah. to get there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like that just basically once I graduated from WT then, I knew that I had a mission and I knew that I was, you know, going to accomplish that mission because now it was – 
it was solely on me. I didn't have to rely on anybody else. I, I didn't, you know, it didn't matter what anyone else thought of me, what anyone else's opinion was. It was strictly on me, and I could, I could make anything of myself that I wanted to, and I could yeah. take everything that I learned and actually apply it. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you were the same way. Like, we pretty much had the, the same kind of path through college, through WT. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you got more involved into the team as you got into your junior and senior year with yes. eligibility. Yes. But then there were still some setbacks. Yeah. Um, one of them was injury. That, that was heartbreaking because, um, like you said, the year that you came in, I w- was going to be coming off the bench, but I had to have surgery on my um, – I had to get my tonsils, adenoids, and uh, the little ball that hangs the – what's it called? I can't even remember what it's called. I can't think of it off the top and, of my head either. Um, I had to get the, the surgery for that because I had sleep apnea, and I had to sit out for – I had to be bed rest for about two weeks, and it was about two weeks before preseason, mm. and so I couldn't get myself it's back a crucial in time. Yes, man, because I lost a lot of, like – uh, muscle mass and coming back it was it was hard like to run play and I started having back problems because it, there was more I guess fat and muscle on my body mm-hmm. and my the way my body is is fat graduate gradu- um it's called gravitates towards <laughs> my belly and my legs and yeah. so like if you're not having abs and you don't have back muscles it just kind of like hurts your back and I always have tight hamstrings and um, I remember going in one of the first days of your freshman year. Um, my what would that be? My sophomore year playing, or it's freshman year, something like that. Uh, we were doing squats and it hurt my back, and that kind of set had a setback, and I wasn't as big as I needed to be and whatnot. But then your second year, which was 2010, I remember that whole summer, man, going into that uh, your second year, I worked my butt off mm-hmm. so hard, like every day was running, lifting, and I remember I got so strong and I like just just really strong and fit to the point where I was like I knew I was ready, and yeah. that was a time where I really pushed to get into the lineup. I remember going to the Butch Lawford, who was our head coach. I remember yeah. going after the Colorado trip. I went into his office and told him like, you know, I've worked so hard to get where I'm at, and I feel like I deserve a, a playing chance, you know. And he felt the same, so he started me next game. I did really well. Uh, had, like, a little minor injury, so I missed the next game. And I went back into the next trip, and I, I played a lot. And then I remember we had a home game against Northeastern, and that was probably the absolute um, – how can I put it, man? Just heartbreaking time ever playing soccer because I remember I got an assist to um, Martin you remember Martin Fuentes mm-hmm. little Chicharito Chicharito yeah I got an assist to him uh, we went into the second half up like 2-0 I think it was and I remember our keeper uh, Seb wasn't in because we had senior night and it was uh, the one that started with me my freshman year who's a starting keeper my freshman year Shane Taylor and I remember he had a short goal kick and I went to flick it on with my right foot and when I flicked it on, my right foot, I had flicked the ball and my right foot was backwards, uh, behind, kind of behind me, and I was standing on my left leg, mm. and a kid ran into my back. This big midfielder on the team just ran straight into my back, and I couldn't get my right leg down quick enough, so I fell my left leg on top of my right leg, 
and the kid fell on top of my left leg and it bent my leg. Yeah. And I had a high ankle sprain. I remember sprain. that. Yeah. People thought I broke my leg and it, it burned. It was like a torch just inside yeah. your leg, just being lit as, as hot as possible. And, uh, man, I was out for the season and that, that just, that emotionally just set me back. I mean, it, it's yeah, like, man, I did all this work yeah. and now I just got to start over again. Yep. And I, I just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to like conversate with anybody have anything to do with anybody yeah. just because it's like man what do I, what all do i have to do like, yeah what all do i have to do and that that was hard that was a hard time and then my next year um we weren't as good team um but i was i was in and out of the lineup playing and then i remember my senior year i uh, really pushed to be a starter and once again i was in and out but at the same time i was being used more as a right midfield kind of like gradually became a better attacker and they started using me as a right midfielder. And like I said, with my head coach, I wasn't as close with him. Um, we, we always had, um, uh, what's it called, so feuds here and there. And I remember my senior year, one of the best things he ever said to me was, uh, I had one, he had kept the food, he keeps the food in his room. Uh, we went on our away trips, mm-hmm. and I went into his room to get food, and I noticed, man, I'm the only one in here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this sucks. Because <laughs> now I'm going to have a conversation, and we never have a conversation. Get but, me out of here. Get me out of yeah. here. <laughs> and I remember he asked me, like, what do you want to do, like, after college or whatnot? And I was just like, oh, you know, I probably want to be a soccer coach. And he looked at me, he's like, and, and you're going to be a great soccer coach. Yeah. That was the most probably one of the most positive words he has ever said to me and that was like my last year yeah I know that felt good for you and it it it, it, it's a it was obviously real coming from him too because you showed that like you were gonna you were gonna force yourself into the team you know you were gonna get into that team exactly and the reason you were able to do that is not just because of your work ethic your discipline but because of your just I guess the, the aura around you, like, you were always very positive and with your teammates, with, you know, you would encourage them to get the best out of them, but mm-hmm. then just your understanding of the game, too, like, you were like a coach on the field, yes. you know, even though you weren't, like, a top player, a mm-hmm. key player, like, you had that um, just presence about you. Yes. And it, you know, it, it just made sense, like, mm-hmm. you know, so it was... It was I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, even after college and, you know, you and I came back to Dallas just playing pickup here and there, mm-hmm. indoor teams, futsal, like, you know, you and I got closer over that time because of that, yes. you know? So then that... I guess we can go ahead and start talking about that. Like you graduated from college. Yes. You came back to Dallas. So what was the next step for you? Like, what did you, what did you want to do at that time? Oh man. So coming back to Dallas, man, I was stuck in a bind of still wanting to play. Um, at the same time, trying to figure out like what exactly is the thing that you, you really want to do. And right when I was thrown back into the mix, like this was the same time a lot of other people were graduating that were my, um, that were my roommates and whatnot. And some of them I really figured out, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to go to a career here. Um, but at the same time, they still went overseas to play. Like mm-hmm. a lot of them went overseas to Iceland to go play. And I was yeah. like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to yeah. do that. But uh, it was just like I 
myself didn't play as much to have video to show people you know right. I can play and I wasn't gonna like spend all that money on a plane ticket and whatnot yeah. you know I, I never Not came for money you know yeah. exactly so what I did was um, I came back it was what was it um, it was the it was the um, start of 2013 was when I came back to Dallas and um, I got a job at uh, My Fit Foods. Okay. Um, it was a health, uh, healthy food place here throughout the Dallas Metroplex, and I think Austin and a few in San Antonio or something like that. Um, at the time, it was pretty big in this whole Texas area, um, and I became um, what do they call it, man? It wasn't like a courtesy clerk. It was a, a man. I can't remember what they called it. <laughs> But I just help people understand more about the food and uh, just try to get people a um, uh, better understanding of the healthy food that we have and why it's good for you mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it was the store I was at was in South Lake, and if you know South Lake, it's a, it's a pretty rich area, so people are going to pay for that. Yeah, exactly. And it was pretty big in that in that uh, that store that we had, like people coming in, getting the food, and whatnot. And I wanted to kind of become. Um, uh, nutritionist with within that uh, store, so I was kind of working towards that. And then after a while, you know, uh, it, it was kind of work, and then you know, you go hang out with friends and whatnot. And it's just like I felt like there was there was more to something I was mm-hmm. really doing, you know. And you're I, still missing a piece of exactly what you really love to do exactly because I, I still I still love being healthy and I love the whole nutrition side of everything. So I, that's why I kind of got a job there. But I was like, man, I want to I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to yeah. do more. And so I got with a club, um, Fever United, uh-huh. was out of uh, Tarrant County. Kind of Colleyville, North Richmond Hills area, and I got with them, and I coached an 06 girls team with them. Um, I did really well actually with that team, um, and at the same time, I I had a friend, Lucas Garcia, who played with us, mm-hmm. who had another friend um, that we knew of because every time we went to go spend time with Lucas in Odessa or whatnot, his name was uh, Luis Paiva. And Luis worked with a company called City Futsal. Who you work now. Who I work with now. Yeah. And I was hanging out with uh, Louis, or Lucas mm-hmm. one time. And Luis is like, oh, I got to go to work. And so Lucas is like, oh, I'll take you to work. And I was like, oh, man, I'll come check it out. And so we go. We drop him off. And I'm like, hey, I kind of want to check this out. So Lucas waits in the car. And I go inside and check it out. And one of the twin brothers that owns it, Esteban Mario, he was doing a session with a solar team, like a pretty good solar team. Mm-hmm. And I saw the session he was doing, and I was amazed by like how well the training session it was. Yeah. Like, the energy that was going on, the information, how hard the kids were working with the knowledge that they were receiving, you know. And I was like, man, I I really enjoyed this. Like I really really enjoyed this. And I remember I didn't want to interrupt him. I didn't want to interrupt him like with the session he was doing so I just kind of waited there you know and I kind of called Lucas like hey man just wait a few minutes I want to talk to this guy you know and so when they kind of went on break I went to go introduce myself and talk to him and I was like man I really like like the session you're doing and whatnot and he kind of just gave me a little summary about the place and then after that I told him I was like well man I'd like to get an interview with you guys if you guys are like hiring for coaches and he said yeah and so then about a week passed you know and I hadn't heard anything so I just started bugging him Mm-hmm. Calling Luis and calling him and calling Luis and calling him. Finally, they set an interview for me. Went through the interview with them. They liked me, and 
I, I started off with camps. And I still had this team with Beaver and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I went through with camps. Um, and then finally, I got to the point where I started doing training sessions. And, man, I learned so much from them. Yeah. Like, from what I knew as a player, I just knew, like, if I got with them, I would know a lot more about the game just in the same exact way like when I got into college and I saw just how much better the foreign players were about the game and how much more knowledge they had mm-hmm. I needed to learn from them, you know. And it was the same exact way right when I got out, out of college and I met the guys from City Futsal. I was just like, I have to know this knowledge to become a better coach than what I am. For sure. I, I couldn't take what I just knew as, as myself because I just knew that it was not enough. Yeah. I can only coach to a certain age. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's the way I felt. And I was like... Or to a certain level. Like exactly. Whatever age it is, like, you can get them to a certain point. But when you get them to that point, what's next? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so I knew that I needed to know more. And that's when I got with them. And I was with them for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me stop you there. Okay. Like, I, I know that that was a very eye-opening experience for you. Yes. Um, yes, yes. You know, I was also involved with City Futsal early on with, I was just helping out refing some of their league games and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I was, and I also did a lot of pickup with them when they first started. So I got to know the twins and, and, you know, the rest of the family a little bit. And I just really liked what they were doing because it was different. Uh And, you know, they were really like starting to instill the futsal culture into the Dallas area, which did not exist at the time at all in this area or really across the country for that matter. Uh And they became like pioneers in that sense. And so, you know, a huge part of the inspiration behind Footy Factory was based on the model that kind of City Futsal created. Okay. And I'm not ashamed to like say that. I've told them that, you yeah, know what I mean? Like it's fine, it's yeah. very like our our it's a different, but um, our model is similar, our training methodology is similar. Like, you know, we have the same goal in mind, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so, you know, at that time you were at Fever United coaching a team, mm-hmm. part of a big club, mm-hmm. you know, and then also doing your training with City Futsal, who was coming up at the time. They yes. didn't necessarily have teams, no. but they they really provided good quality supplemental training. Yes. So what were the biggest differences that you noticed between those two organizations at that time? Um, I mean, it was... It, it, it was just more in-depth, I can say, with City Futsal. Yeah. It, it was like the information they were... I mean, were, Futsal in itself is much more ex- in-depth. Exactly, But yeah. then the training behind Futsal is also yes. more in-depth. It, it, it was the material, the methodology we were getting from our uh, sister club. I want to say sister club, but the, um, how would I put it? Um, the Our teachers, I guess you could say. Santos in Brazil. Yeah, we they would come. They would come to Dallas. Um, they would teach us different stuff, like what we should look for in trainings, the progression, uh, your time management, um, your uh, what's it called, your curriculum. Like they actually had a curriculum. Yeah, that, that was the craziest thing. It was like. It was a lot like school. It's man. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like... You're a I'm, teacher. You're just a yes. teacher of a different subject. And I had never seen that 
ever, yeah. like growing up, just ever seen that. And I was just like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if you base it just on a curriculum and then, of course, as you go through it, they were teaching us just don't don't overload the kids with, with information and whatnot. You, you, sh- you should have, during your sessions, maybe one or two words that are just the main words that, that mm-hmm. are going through the session and just remind them of that, you know? And then have the progressions as they go to make it more difficult for right, them right. and whatnot, you know? So it's it adding them, on top of that. Yeah, so it gets them thinking, you know? You want, like, everybody always says, whether they understand the game of soccer or they don't understand the game of soccer, they always say it's 90% mental. Mm-hmm. And when you start getting more and more and more and more and more and more in depth about, like, the materials of, of teaching kids the game, you start to understand more and more and more and more why it's 90% mental yeah. and why you want to challenge these kids mentally. At the same time, keep them fit, but just the progressions in your training to challenge them and challenge them and challenge them. And that, that was something that was a real eye-opener to me from with City Futsal. And Fever, they're great. They had they they have a great methodology. They have a, a great teaching. Uh, they have great coaches there as well. I still keep in touch with a few of them. It, it was just more along the lines along the lines of I wanted to I wanted to learn more, mm-hmm. and, and you felt like you were going to get that there exactly. And so we kind of uh, me and Fever kind of parted ways, and then I went to City Futsal full time, and I just I got so much information there, and and just. Understanding about the aspects of coaching and what, what what you want to look for while you're coaching and everything. And mm-hmm. some people from uh, Santos who come up there, like Andu and uh, Barata, who's pretty much like the head of all the coaches, and then uh, Felipe Sa, who is somebody's about I think he's like three years older than me, but the guy's like a genius. He's just he's just a, a simple genius, but mm-hmm. everything he does is simple. And when when you start to see that. And the teachings they have, you look at Pep Guardiola, and you're just like, everything he is doing is futsal. It is futsal. Yeah. Every single thing he does with his team about the progressions, about what what he wants them to do, and how on top of his players he always he's always on top of his players about doing the simplest things because it's hard to be simple. It's hard to yeah. be simple in the game. People don't understand that. it's hard to be simple, but he he instills so much in them from, from video watching, from talking to them. Um, from uh, what's it called the trainings he does um, the people he brings in on his staff like he has a guy on his staff that's um, I don't want to be wrong about this um, he's, a, he's a Spanish Olympian mm-hmm. and he's won so many medals that he just brought him onto his staff so that he can just talk to the, his players about big moments and just understanding the, um, the, 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 the mental part of going into a big match um, and just facing tough competitors because he's been there and he's won yeah. so many medals. You know, it's, it's, it's just stuff like that. You're just like, man, that that makes so much sense. And just yeah. the things he does and his, his just teaching ways are are just all futsal. And you know, he's so changed the game. With that. So you're talking about like futsal being exactly what Pep is teaching in mm-hmm. soccer, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people don't really realize how similar it is. You know, yes. or how much it is. A foundation to soccer mm-hmm. like they think it's you know a fun game that they like to play get extra touches blah mm-hmm. blah blah you know that's all good yeah but I don't think they truly understand how it is a direct uh, correlation to what you will see on a soccer field if you know you're trying to teach your teams to play in that way mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, for example, like you look at a basic futsal formation, like a three, one, mm-hmm. right? All it is, is if you look at an 11 v 11 field, you take away the right winger, the right back, one center back, the left back, a left winger. You have your number six, you have your 10 and your eight and your number nine. And then the goalkeeper is like an extra center back. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what it is. It's just that small picture in the whole field. You can use that same same picture on the left side of the field or the right side of the field. And it's basically just soccer in the attacking half of the field. Mm -hmm. So it involves a lot of, you know, rotations on and off the ball, which, you know, when, when you have a lot of possession, you get the ball in the attacking third in, in soccer to break a team down, you have to be able to have that movement off the ball. If you watch city or Barcelona, like they, you know, when they, when they play against teams that just sit back and defend, like that is ninety percent of the game is trying to figure out how to break them down. It's it's the micro of the game. Exactly. You know, it's 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 the it's the very micro of the game. And what I love about it is just it, it teaches players how to how to be situational. It teaches them all the situations that you'll ever see in the game. It, it doesn't. It, it changes you from being reactive to making decisions. It makes you understand space. And when you can understand space, understand how to use space, and understand how to make decisions when you, when you get balls in space or you just uh, find your space off the ball, and just understanding situations. When, when do I counterattack? When do I possess? How, how, do I, um, how do I get from possession to a counterattack? Why am I swinging the ball? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's little stuff like that. You you ask you can players can ask those questions and answer those questions while they're on the field playing. You know, and um, that's that's a lot of stuff city players do. Man. Yeah, like one of the one of the I think the best players on city. Um, I think he's underrated. I think he's one of the best players in the world. Period. Bernardo Silva is that that oh, guy. Yeah. That guy is just amazing at just understanding where's the space. When can I come inside? When can I go outside? When can I dribble? When can I pass? You know, and and you can put him anywhere on the pitch. Like yeah. you know, he can play as a ten or the eight. He can also play out wide right or wide left. Like mm-hmm. he's very versatile. Like he runs more than anybody. You know, he he. You're right. I think he is. You know, yeah. highly underrated. He is. And he he's is. just extremely effective. And City, you know, they're struggling this season, but they probably owe a, a, a huge amount to Bernardo Silva like yeah. with how much they've been able to accomplish at this point because mm-hmm. you know if you look at their other players they haven't really been performing as well as it's it's with City it's like they're all they're always do the same thing and I respect that about Pep just because it is the right thing to do um with they've just had it, it's just been injuries yeah like with them it's just been injuries the, the, the left back spot like when angelino's been playing he, he's just not somebody who can keep up you know he can't cover as much ground and it's, it's just hard for um for them to keep doing the same thing and then have to defend as well and it's just too much ground to defend and yeah he, he's they've given up a lot of goals through that left side and it, you know it, it's 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 not like Angelina's fault, you know, because he's, he hasn't a, done he's a great player. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player. It's just hard to cover that much ground, you know, and that's that's something that um, if, if we jump into another segment, yeah. like, that's something about um, American soccer that's not really understanding about the U.S. soccer is 
is when when do we need to be playing on bigger on bigger fields? You know, that's that's well, in the Brazil. Best question, you man. know, like I know we talked about this the other day, and you know, maybe what you guys are eventually trying to do as city futsal is keep them in futsal until yeah. 12, 14 years yeah. old. They don't need to be playing outdoor until there's, then. There's, there's a, it, it's like you have a lot of good players. Like I see a lot of good players over the year. I remember one of my first one was on Fever. I think her name was Joy. And she had started off, and I, I was coaching the B team at this time. And I remember seeing this girl play, and I remember just within a two weeks' time, like how, how much of her technical level had, had just evolved and how much of her tactical level evolved. She was always paying attention to everything. But then we'll play on the field, and she would struggle. And you, you look at her, and you're like, the only reason why she's struggling is because she can't cover as much ground as a lot of these kids. Right. But she is a great soccer player. But at that age, it doesn't matter. You, you, you shouldn't be I mean? playing on that big of a field yeah. at that age. You put her in futsal, the girl's amazing. You the know, the great, fact that you know? the U.S. changed their standards, and, and now you don't play 11 v. 11 until U13, I think was great. You mm-hmm. know, emphasizing more small-sided play getting more touches, and putting them in a position to succeed. Yes. But even at 13, that's too early. Yeah, I Like, I don't know, you you have 06s, so they're U14s this year. Uh, You know, my, I've had 06s before. Like, last year I had an 06 team, they were Mm U13s. This year we have an 07 team that are U13s. Like, that first year playing up in that space, they look like, you know... (laughs) They look like little like figures like on a foosball table running <laughs> yeah. around. You know what I mean? Like that is the truth. they're tiny. They yeah. can't cover that much ground. Why are we doing that to them? Like yeah. there that is is literally just asking for trouble and and that shows you why so many of the big clubs are just recruiting the biggest, fastest, strongest yes. kids just so that they can and, be successful right away. And and with with that being said, it's like at U fourteen, maybe eleven v eleven is is possibly the the right spot for um players to go or i mean they, they can still be 99 i feel like yeah i think it's, 99 until 15 yeah, it's 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 just you you don't lose you don't, at the u14 level you know 11 v 11 is a possibility but 99 is still probably good enough for you. um I, I just feel like we jump to 7v7 and uh, 9v9, 11v11 just way too soon. I have an 11s boys team, and they're, 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 they're sick. Like, yeah. really good team. And I have some players on that team, when they're playing futsal, oh, man, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. But they get out on the 7v7 pitch, and, you know, they just can't cover the ground. They can't do as, as much as some of these other kids – but their their understanding of space and their understanding of their position of where the ball is to where they're at is is just phenomenal. Yeah. But then when um, like a ball gets to them, whatnot, you know, it's just they're not able to do the things they need to do just because they can't complete probably like a, a, a fifteen to twenty yard pass. Mm-hmm. You know, and with futsal, it's like they're much better because they, they they still understand the space and everything. Uh, that goes with the game, but they're able to get uh, easier passes off, uh, move into space, get the ball back. It's just because they're able to cover that ground within futsal, whereas the 77 soccer field, they're not able to cover that ground. Yeah. And what I dislike about it is because it hides other players and it shines on um, 
some of your better players that can cover ground, you know? Yeah. And it's not so much, at times, a team sport unless you get all the athletes on the field in each position, then it becomes a team sport for those kids. Right. Whereas futsal, it's it's all a team sport because you all can't... All five players have to be engaged. You can't hide. Yeah. You can't hide. You'll you, get exposed if exactly. you make one mistake. And, and you have to understand the space, and, and you have to understand where to move. The game's a lot quicker. It's more situational, you know, and I think it's more beneficial for players at, at um, what's it called, at the, those young ages. It's more beneficial to them because they're not... They're not as frustrated as kids playing soccer because they can't do – they're just not physically able to do something. And you're still trying to teach them, and they're just frustrated. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's one <clears throat> biggest thing for me as a coach is like um, I, don't, I don't like to see players frustrated and stuff they're not able or capable of doing, you know, and, and, that's, and that's something that I see. I, I – like a lot of a lot of the times, like when I took over this 06 team, I remember I had uh, some meetings with my, some of my parents, and one of the biggest things was I told about three kids like you guys got to get in shape, you know, and I can understand the parents side; they paid for it and they want to see their kids play, and I, and I've held them out of games because they're just not in shape enough to play the games. Mm-hmm. And I remember one parent was mad at me, and I had to let her know like I'm not gonna put a kid on the field. And have him be frustrated about what's going on because he's not physically capable of playing and, and doing the things that he knows he can do because he's out of shape. So he has to get in shape to be in the game to be able to play the game. Because it's just going to be a negative experience for him. Exactly. And it's not going to be – it's not going to help him in any way if you just throw him into the fire. Whereas it's, if you sit him on the bench, make him watch, you know, see what's going on – Stay mentally engaged into what's going on. That's that's that is my biggest thing. Is is I don't want him to get frustrated and mentally um, uh, 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 depleted about what's going on by putting him in the game and he's out of shape and he can't go. Like like you said, like I want I want to send him out and I want him to work at what he needs to work on and and talk to him. You know, you can always talk to him and make sure he understands. But work at what he needs to work on to get himself in the game. And like in in, in those kids now. They're on my starting lineup. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're on my starting lineup because he worked to get where he needed to get to, and he just still keeps working. And he's in better shape, and he understands the game, and he's loving it, man. And he's loving it, and that's that's just one of my biggest things. It's like you can't put players on the field and have them do stuff that they're not capable of doing. So you have to find ways to to help them out, and I think futsal helps out a lot of the younger players. And then um, being in shape with the older players, of course, that helps out a lot as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that kind of kind of takes us back to what we were talking about before, you know, with your experiences. Like, you know, it wouldn't make sense for, like, although, you know, you wanted to be involved in the games and, at, you know, in college, while you, you would have liked to be a part of the team, like, you just weren't in a position to be successful at the time. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, it, it, you know, I think a lot of parents need to understand, like, at that age especially, like, they're so young. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they're not playing at that time. Like, they have so much time to develop. They need to just take it step by step. And in your case, like, with the players that you have, 
maybe they took that step a lot sooner than other kids. Maybe mm-hmm. for some other kids, it takes years to get to that point where they can play consistently. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to be patient and yeah. let them, let them develop. Let mm-hmm. them, you know, because if they're putting in the work, if they're really doing what they need to be doing behind the scenes, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. You know, they're going to pass other players up. Like, uh, you know, I'll give you an example of on my 09 team. Like, I have a, a kid who's, um, you know, came up from our second team last year. He's been playing with my first team. And, you know, he was, uh, you know, he started much further behind than a lot of the other boys. And that was obvious. Like, you know, there was no question about that. But you just see how much he trains. Like, he trains with me. He does one-on-ones with me. He, he does our player development school program. He's in there almost every single day training. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, his, his dad will make him do his own ball mastery stuff. Like, you know, just anything outside of what we're doing. And, you know, he gives him, like, little incentives for any work that he does outside of footy. Like, any practice that he does with footy doesn't count. But anything that he does away from us is he'll, he'll, he'll be incentivized for that. And so... You know, they were at the beginning of the season maybe getting frustrated because he wasn't playing as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I always saw him as, like, my starting right back. Like, he's going to be there. It's just a matter of time until he gets there. And I told his dad, like, look, you know, the fact that he's doing all this extra work already puts him ahead of 50% of the team. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time before he passes some of those players up. And now he's starting to pass them up, and he's become a very, like, 1v1 individually defending. Like, he'll stand anybody up. He's strong in tackles, so that part is there. But then when he wins the ball, he's very composed. He makes good decisions. Like, you know, he'll find a pass right away if he needs to, one or two touches. But then if he's in a situation where he doesn't have a pass, he's also able to dribble out and create space for himself and – wait for the pass to open up and not just force a pass Mm -hmm. right so like he's become a very important player for us like one of our key players and it's happened just because he stayed disciplined in his process in his routine of just getting better every day just a little bit it's not like you're asking for you know a 50 percent improvement in one day but just that one tenth of a percent improvement every single day like that compounds over time yep and you know, so that that is exactly what you're talking about here. Like, you know, while they are, while while you know, it is like you can justify a parent's concern in paying money to be a part of a club, and you know, their their kid not playing the amount that they would want them to play. But at the same time, are you helping them really if you just play them the same amount as everyone else? Mm-hmm. Because you're giving them game experience, but it's not a positive experience exactly. for them. It's not a positive experience for the team. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, like whenever you get into competition, it's about the team mm-hmm. and how you as an individual fit into the team context. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your story. All right. I know that whole time you, you know, coaching with Fever getting into city futsal mm-hmm. you always wanted to be a college coach that was always in the back of your mind yeah yeah I, I just I enjoy coaching older older players yeah so yeah so I wanted to make the route to I think coaching college would be the quickest route to coaching older players mm-hmm. you know and um, so I was with city from 2014 I think it was like May or April 2014 all the way to 
September 2016, and that's when I made the jump. Um, I started working with um, University of Dallas as an assistant coach with them. Um, David Hoffman was the head coach, really good guy. Uh, I learned some stuff from a lot of stuff from him, just more organizational stuff and just um, mannerisms about talking with the kids. Um, kind of more probably like day-to-day stuff, like some of the stuff he would just kind of go through, and he was just a really calm, calm, calm individual about everything, you know. And uh, I was with him all the way up to, I think that's when I got with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was with you for a while, and then that's when I got the, the, uh, my first coaching job in college. Um, down at Coastal Bend College, junior college, and that that was a fantastic experience. Um, the living experience was terrible. <laughs> Didn't really quite enjoy the town, but the B town, yeah, B, what is it called? Beville, Beville, man, yeah, what a B place. County, brother, B what County, you know. And I really didn't enjoy all that. Just, of course, coming from a bigger town and whatnot, it was just wasn't. Just a lot, lot of different characters, you can say. But I really enjoyed the team, though. Yeah. Um, what what they did, what they did, um, well, it was kind of the same thing that my college did the first year I went to my college. Is they had a lot of foreigners. Yeah, I was lot, just about to lot, make that comparison. Lot, yeah. It seemed like it was a very similar situation. Yes. And of course, junior college, it doesn't matter how many foreigners you have yeah. on your team. You could have a full team of foreigners. Like you don't set restrictions on that. And we only had. Man, I think it was like the same as my college. I think we only had two Americans on that team. And, of course, our whole starting lineup was foreigners. And I, I, I quite enjoyed coaching them just because um, they come from academies and whatnot. And the, their talent level is it w- was was pretty good. Yeah. And the team that I came on to my first year, it was uh, 2017, um, the talent level was all across the board. We just had some great players, man. We had we had a center back whose dad was Man City's uh, keeper, who's actually I, I don't know if he still is, but he was Cardiff's when Cardiff was in the Premier League that year or the next year. He was the keeper coach, uh, Andy Dibble. We okay. had we had his son Marcus Dibble, um, just a, mo- a mount- monster of a kid, man, monster of a kid. We had a 17-year-old German kid um, named Jan, and this kid, I always called him the LeBron James <laughs> of our players. And um, with the corner kicks I set up, I would set up plays for him. Because I'd always tell him, look, man, if, if a bigger player is marking you on a corner kick, that means that you're quicker than him. Uh, he can't hold you because you're a lot quicker than him. If a yeah. quicker player is marking you, that means that you're bigger than him. So yeah. you, can, you can be more physical with a quicker player, or you're just quicker than the bigger player. Because he was, he was about 6'3", 6'4", uh, lanky. He put muscle on, though, and he was, he was quick. Like, yeah. The kid was quick, like a gazelle, man. And fantastic kid, learned fast, um, was very smart. Of course, he's 17 and in college, so, you know, he just, he just learned quickly. And it, it, it was like a diamond in a rough picking up that kid. Yeah. Um, they had only, like, two returners. Uh, one of them was a captain, right back, great kid. Uh, our left back was um, somebody who came from Birmingham City, I think it was, and he was he was a pretty he was a crazy kid, but he understood the game. He was he was he was good about that. Um,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was one of those just instinctual players. They just knew what to do in the moment of time. Um, we had eight outstanding midfielders. And when I mean eight outstanding midfielders, we had eight outstanding midfielders. We had depth through the middle, and it was just hard to find players to play in the middle. Yeah. We had um, one kid who had won like this championship with his local team, uh, Drew. He, he was a, he was a, a great just technical midfielder. We had a Scottish kid, Jack. He was was he he just resonated with me the most just because he was just a hard working kid. Like mm-hmm. he came last in our depth chart as midfielders and he actually became our holding midfielder who held our team together. He was just the glue of our team because he just did all the dirty work and he scored some outstanding goals for us that year. Uh, we had an um, we had another kid from Austria, uh, Mateus just technically gifted both feet the sickest free kicks you'll ever see, bro. Just just Ronaldo free kicks. Just over the wall, just dipping over the wall. Just disgusting. Um, we had another kid, Jordan, who's also from Birmingham City, and he was just the epitome of a competitor. At the same time, he was gifted on the ball. Like He just was an amazing player. He was our X-Factor all the time. He just did some amazing stuff. Uh, with that team, uh, we had a good forward, too. Um, his name was Harry, and he played kind of just like um, Firmino or Harry Kane. He just yeah. good high forward, just knew how to come into the midfield if needed to. Hold to, the ball up well. Yeah, yeah. And just keep the ball moving, you know. And he made great runs, just just outstanding. You couldn't teach the runs he made. He just had instinctual runs. And mm-hmm. I'd always tell him, look, man, I want you just to be confident with being you. Like, that, that, that was just my coaching to him because he just understood the game to a level where – you didn't need to teach him much. You just needed to keep him in shape and just keep him motivated and just keep him him. Because he would score some just unreal. Remember when Ben Everson used to score some goals in practice? You were just like, dude, that's just an unreal goal. How do you do that? Exactly. <laughs> this kid would do the same exact thing. And I remember um, just the, just the, some stuff that I brought to them was just how to press defensively. And I remember after we learned that, and or they learned that, I remember um, – as a team, as a whole, man, we just we were just gonna dominate our region, and we beat the number one team in the nation at home. And man, we went nuts. We beat them three to one, and of course, the LeBron James of the team, Jan, he scored a brilliant goal off of a corner. Uh, a left midfielder scored a brilliant goal off of a free kick, and I can't remember how we scored the other one. But they they just smothered the other team. Wouldn't allow them to play. The Jordan kid I was telling you about. Um, he, he just opened up space by beating players off, yeah. on the ball. Just like he'd get it, beat a player, and he just created more space to get the ball where we needed to and just get fouls in the attacking half. And we just kept putting pressure on him, pressure on him, pressure on him, pressure on him. And just the way I wanted them to play was just at a tempo. You know, you always set the tempo. You always set yourself up. Every time the ball goes out, you set yourself up because then you're more in control of the situation that's about to happen. And uh, I just had them just. They would just go and go and go, and they were just awesome to watch. And we, we had depth, 
and important places like the midfield to where we can sub people in and some of our midfielders we can use as wingers and it was just a good mix of a team like we had really good depth of a team and that year was really good we actually lost to that same team in the regional finals um, before the national tournament uh, so we didn't make it through that was Tyler Junior College right yes yeah. yes that was Tyler Junior College um, we we beat them at home and then we went to their place I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> That just you know, make, make, yeah, make me angry. <laughs> we lost to them there, and then we lost to them at their place in the uh, regional finals. Um, it was a good head-to-head battles. They just their their wingers were just a lot faster than our outside backs, and they caught on to that, and that's how kind of how they beat us in the regional finals. Um, and then the next year, um, that is something where I learned about recruiting, and um, for as a coaching standpoint that's something I learned a lot about just where where you're playing at what league you're playing in and the players you need to play in that league um, we had a lot of returners but we lost the majority of our midfield um, some to family issues which was hard because two of our good midfielders the Austrian we lost um, some family issues with his dad's business um, and we just couldn't put up enough money to keep him in. The other one was the Jordan kid. We actually lost him in midseason uh, of that 2017 season because his mom had passed away, mm-hmm. and that was just something hard to deal with. He tried coming back, but it just wasn't in the books. You know, yeah. It just wasn't in the works, and we completely understood. And, I mean, that's unavoidable. Like, exactly. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, exactly, and that, that was tough. <clears throat> so I was pretty close with him, and we would talk a lot, I remember the day finding out it was just he was quiet and the kids were never quiet and I was just asking him what was going on and he let me know and it was just rough yeah um, so the next year uh, we got we brought in some recruits it just wasn't as good as the year before and then we those midfielders we lost and then of course we had to kick off the glue of our team because of some issues um, Good kid though, man, and I, I hated having to kick him off for for what we had to kick him off for, but it it was just you know there's nothing we could go around doing. Um, there's nothing we could go around it, you know. And I, I really like the kid, and it's just the circumstances of the things, and it was out of my control about keeping him, and he had to go. So that 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 sucked because we lost some important pieces, and of course our captain had graduated and moved on. And so then so from going from a deep strong midfield, we went to a very very weak midfield. And the the whole plan of the team had to change. And it had to change throughout preseason and some of the first um uh out of region games. And it it was and that's like I'm kind of glad that happened because then you kind of see where you're at as a coach and how well you can make changes as a coach yeah. and how quickly and it is it the right change, you know? You're doing the best with what you have. Yes, and that 2018 season, start of season, was the was the hardest time I probably ever worked as a coach. Yeah. And we worked hours and hours and hours just trying to figure out the right pieces. And the thing was, it was like we we had the right pieces, but we didn't have depth now. What what was gonna what was hard was was one we we didn't have a strong midfield and two we didn't have depth so that meant that meant that we couldn't press as much 
we couldn't control the game as much. It was more defending. Yeah. Um, we had to be fitter, of course, and a lot of inconsistencies, like game-to-game inconsistencies. And yeah. Of course, in college, you got to play Friday. Or actually, this is junior college, rural, the only region where a lot of times you play back-to-back days. So you'd play Saturday, Sunday. Or Friday, Saturday. That's impossible. Yeah. And so, having... Especially with, you know, what sounds like the way that you're trying to get your team to play is high-pressing. Like, I mean, you can't do that for 90 minutes. We had to we had to switch it up. So, we yeah. second year, we didn't high-press yeah. at all. Because we just weren't able to with the day-to-day game. Like, play a game, and the next day you got to play a game. And then yeah. we don't have depth, you know. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, you wear the team out midway through the season. Exactly. Especially so. not having depth, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And in college, subs are pretty much free, I think. Uh, Is there a rule, like, you can't go back in the first half or something like that? Junior college, we were free. Okay. Subs were free. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, if you have depth, like, you can interchange people, you know, as much as you want and keep that same tempo. Exactly. That's what we were able to do our first year. And the second year, it wasn't as much. And I remember, because we won a huge game in Laredo um, when they were, like, top ten. We won that game, and we defended a lot. And it was defending the midfield. Um, we uh, Everything off our press was, if they played through the midfield, we pressed them through the midfield. And mm-hmm. Any back pass through the midfield, we pressed that. Any passes to the outsides, in back passes, we kind of set ourselves. Uh, our forward's job was to always monitor where the holding midfielder's at. Yeah. Because that was the key to everything. So yeah. it's like, you, you know where he's at, um, he gets it, you press him, you don't allow him to get it, make the other two midfielders collect the ball, and then our other two midfielders can always press. Yeah. If you do that, you always have one free midfielder. And so anytime we win it, can we get that midfielder up the field, or um, can we just make their back four make a mistake to where we can press them to win it, to go forward? And we did it well. We won 2-1 to one at their place, which is a huge win. Um, we had some other good uh, games. I remember one weekend we went to overtime both games back-to-back days uh first day we had two red cards it was just a crazy game they had one no 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 No, we just had two red cards and they didn't have any the other team i remember that and that was hard because after our first red card we actually went up um one zero and it was (laughs) it was difficult man trying to keep a lead with nine players versus 11 players man it's really really difficult and they did a fantastic job throughout the game but and we had one of our starting center backs was out um and so because he's one that got the red card and and so they ended up scoring and we went to overtime and they ended up scoring again in double overtime and we lost and then the next day we played one of the best teams in the region um that actually made really far into the tournament and we played them off the park man we changed up our formation uh we went to a 4-2-2-2 because we knew uh, they played with an open back four. They kept the back four open. Um, they rotated the midfield, so our midfield wasn't able to stay with them. Um, when we played that way, we uh, had our two forwards on the outside of the um, center back's uh, shoulders, so one on one outside, uh, one center back, one on the other, mm-hmm. outside the other one. We'd always have four people in the midfield, so we'd always win the midfield, no matter if they rotated, because they wanted always to go through the midfield. And then it just makes them have to play to their outside backs. And their yeah. outside backs are the decision makers now, which they weren't used to do it. And so anytime their outside backs are decision makers, you know they're going to try to go to the outside. They're, they're wingers, which the wingers are going to be receiving it, facing their goal, so we can always 
press them right away. If they want to play through the middle, there's always going to be two people on that first midfielder who gets the ball. So then we always have a 2v2 with their center backs, you know, and we played them off the park, but we still ended up losing in overtime. Uh, one zero. We just never com- we just never converted that game. Yeah. We had too many opportunities where we just missed it. And it was a hard weekend because if we won one of those games or even won both of those games, we would have been a higher seed going into the tournament. But it wasn't in the books, so we didn't get home field advantage, and we had to play away, and we didn't do well. Once again, in, in the uh, playoff game, we played the team off the park, <laughs> but we just didn't we didn't convert, and when we did convert, it was too late. We lost two to one in the or in uh, in regulation, and so it was a hard loss. And then so that was a national tournament. That was uh, regionals. Regionals. Yeah, we didn't have a conference. We just had one big region, eight teams, one big region, four in the south, four in the north. And then the winners of those regions go to the the elite eight or final four. It changed. Um, So my first year, it was the first two teams in the region went to the tournament. And then the next year, it was... No, no, the first year, I think it was one team in the region went to the tournament. And then the next year was two. It was something along those lines. I know the second year, there was more teams that went to the tournament. But I think, I think the second year, it was two teams. So the first year, you had to win the region. Um, and then you went to the tournament, which Tyler did. And then the second year, yeah, two teams won. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were there for two years. I know there was a lot of frustrating times for you, too. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, one, of the, one of the things frustrating was the person I worked with. He, he was just a real lazy guy, you know, just not really. He just got older guy, you know, just kind of, it, it was a job for him. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, wasn't as much of, of a passion and wanted to do the day-to-day work and what's needed to be, a, like, to make your kids better. It was just kind of uh, the junior college kids. I remember when I first got in there, like a lot of the uh, sayings they would say all the time is, oh, they're junior college kids, oh, they're junior college kids, oh, they're junior college kids. And I thought to myself all the time, like, why are we saying that? Yeah, I was like, if you treat them like junior college kids, they're going to be worse than junior college kids. They're going to be worse than junior college kids. If you treat them like pros, they're going to be the best junior college kids. And and that's how we were our first years. Like, I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, I held high standards for everybody. Yeah. I made sure everybody had to do extra work on their own. You know, like if you wanted to play, you had to do extra work. And a lot of players set the tone on the team, and the team followed those players. And, and there was a lot of disciplinary stuff. There was a, there was a lot of organization within the team, and that's how we made it as far as we made it to the regional finals, and how good we were during the season. Like some of the lower teams, we would blow out. Um, some of the better teams we always kept uh, in game with and we, we a lot of times we won close games you know and that's just being a great team is being able to stay in games and win close games mm-hmm. um, and I remember after that first year that word of their junior college kids weren't used anymore and I was, I was glad about that yeah. because it was like it, it was just for, for the other guy I worked with it was just kind of like a uh, you know. He was comfortable with his setting, and so he he projected that onto everyone that was around yes. him. Yes, and before I got there, they weren't keeping anybody. Um, when when I got there, there was only two returners, and that's how it was every year. They just never retained. Yeah, and so one of my main things was 
was retaining players. Yeah. And I retained That's the only way to build. Exactly. And I retained twenty seven players from the from the team of two thousand seventeen to two thousand eighteen. Wow. So you went from two to twenty seven in a year. Yes. That's exactly. amazing. Exactly. And so, you know, and that that um that was an accomplishment for me as well as uh their grade point average. They went from one of the lowest grade point average to a high uh to a high team grade, grade point average. And we that first year I was there, we actually won in the whole, our school's athletics, the best grade point average. Oh, nice. And I, I, I like that as well. I, I thought that was a win as well, you know. I mean, being a college coach, like, that is something that's important. Even exactly. for youth, you know, you, we coach at the youth level now. Like, you want them to understand, while, you know, we want them to put soccer first to an extent, mm-hmm. School obviously is still right there with soccer, and it has to be because it just develops the discipline in those yeah. players to be successful, not just in soccer, but then in life. And if they're, you know, whoever they are in soccer is who they are in life. Whoever they are in life is going to be who they are in soccer. Yeah, exactly. And it's it just it's just keeping their minds sharp as well as satisfaction. You know, one of the greatest feelings in the world is satisfaction. So, like when you're getting good grades in school that's satisfaction and yeah. you can bring that satisfaction to the soccer field and happiness and there's less worry about stuff you know like getting towards the end of the year and you're worrying oh man I got this test I got this test and you see them in training like yo man why is your energy so low and it's like oh I got this test and I have yeah. to study for it and it's like well man you gotta leave practice now because you gotta go study for that because it's important to you you're here not only for athletics but you're a student that's why it's student Athlete, mm-hmm. student, you know, right. and um, and with with that, the person who I worked with, he just didn't push as much as that, and we butted heads a lot. And then at the end of the second season, we actually both ended up leaving. Because so. I remember at that time he had announced that he was leaving, and you were pushing for his job. Yes, yes. and you know you were really trying to be a, a college head coach. That yes. would have been a big step for you. But what made you decide to kind of take a one eighty and? come back to what you were doing well I mean uh, of course I wanted the head coaching job like I'm not gonna hide that I really really wanted it Um, I did I tried to do all the steps in order to get that job Um, I went uh, one of the first things I did was went to the AD um, who was in charge of filling that position and I went to go talk to him and I just wanted a real conversation with him like what the steps do I need to take to get that job or um, what's what's my chances, you know, because that's something that I really, really wanted, and a lot of the things he said to me was just right off the bat was like, you're probably not going to get it, and he didn't say that in those words, but a lot of the stuff... Right between the lines. Yeah, he, the first thing he came, he said to me was, theoretically, you know, he wasn't, he didn't talk to me just like, straight up, he said, right. theoretically, you know, this, we're looking... We're going to take in applications, and of course, um, some people have a higher education than you do, which I, I have a bachelor's, and they're looking for people with a master's, and he he pretty much talked about a lot of stuff that didn't have to go into um, the, uh, what's it called, like coaching soccer. I understand a player, a person having a master's and whatnot, and what that brings to the table. But at the same time, after he said theoretically, I asked him realistically, 
what like what are my chances like me as a coach and what I've done for the program and coming in and how I retain people, how I got their grades up, how they're more disciplined in their actions of what they do, um, just how more how much smoother everything's running within the program, like what I brought to it. I, I said what like what are my real chances and. He just pretty much said, we're still going to go through the um, interviewing process. Uh, of course, you're past round one, but you're still going to have to interview and whatnot. And, of course, me and the AD, um, we butted heads a couple times as well. He said I was too fiery. <laughs> <laughs> but I just see it as I'm proactive. Like, I, I just, I just I want to be I don't see proactive. that as a bad thing at all. I don't either. Like, I just like to be proactive, and the people I work with, I like – working with people who are proactive as well because yeah. then you're, you're, you're never complacent and you never go backwards. You yeah. know? And I just saw that it wasn't going to be a place for me and whoever else they brought in, I, I just didn't want to be assistant with somebody else right. um, at that time as well. And uh, I, I wish the best, you know, of that program and whatnot because, I mean, I was with them for two years and I enjoyed the cold coaching yeah. part and everything, the, the players I had. Um, but I just figured that where I stood, um, with the person who held all the, the, um, I guess, what do you say, eggs or all the cards, who held yeah, all the yeah. cards, were, wasn't really pushing for me to be, um, a head coach there. Well, yeah. You kind of, you know, got the vibes that yeah. it wasn't going to be the best situation and, you you took that experience for what it was like mm -hmm. it was a great experience for you to learn and grow and work with high level players and add to your resume but it was time for you to move on and, and do something else yes so then at that point you moved back to Dallas moved back home and then you got back involved with City Futsal again and you've yes. been with them ever since yes so I moved back in February of this year um and what I moved oh, back. Yeah, it hasn't even been a year. Has yeah, it? man, it was February. Yeah, That's crazy, <laughs> right? And so yeah, I moved back um, uh, February this year, and I started working with City Futsal again. Um, I first got involved with starting training programs, uh, camps, and tournaments at satellite sites around the metropolitan area, and then in June I got involved with the club and I took over three teams. I uh, created the O six team. Uh, the 11 team was kind of given to me, and I've added players to it. And then the 10s team is the team I'm trying to make up right now. Um, so if any of you guys know of any 10s players <laughs> that uh, need a team, you know, let me know. Bobby's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, uh, I, and I've been doing that ever since. And uh, one thing I can say is the players – the players that I have are the smartest players I've ever coached. Yeah, even from oh, I can, college level or anything like these. I mean, I can vouch for that because you know a lot of your O six players are my former players, so I know them very well, and you know they obviously got a good foundation working with me, and so you know then you taking them over was a good next step for them. Like, you know, I would say a lot of a lot of the players that I've coached in the past that have left for other clubs. They know, their parents know that they made a mistake because they stopped developing. But mm -hmm. I'm glad to see that they have continued with you because I know they're going to continue getting better. Yeah. And, um, and you know, that's that's all that I care about. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's it's not about me. Like, you know, it's about those kids and, and just giving them the best opportunity to succeed that they possibly can get. 
So, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that you're back in the area. I'm glad that, you know, we are able to, uh, you know, to continue to have this relationship, even though we don't work directly together. Like, I think that these kinds of relationships are super important, you know, to... Hopefully we do. Hopefully we do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll see what happens, you know. But um, as we kind of wrap up this episode, we're kind of running out of time here. I know we've, you know, had a nice little chat, but... I want to just kind of review everything that we talked about, ask you a few questions that I ask every guest that I have come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is, you know, and, and I could probably answer some of these for you just based on listening to your story, you know, and, and they should be easy for people listening to answer too. But um, I want you to kind of put it in your own words. So what, looking back on your on your life, on your journey, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Um, some of the biggest challenges I faced, um, maybe, probably one of them is just being complacent, or not being complacent, sorry, um, but once I figure out the knowledge of, of the game and I wanted to be as a coach is staying in one spot to grow in that place. I've jumped around a lot um, since like 2016, mm-hmm. trying to find the right place for me to grow and um, just not only grow um, a team or an organization, but grow uh, as in um, how can I put this like in a in like a family environment, you know, just kind of grow within the area as well. Does that make sense? Like, I think you staying know, staying put and growing within that area where you're where you're at with your job and whatnot. Yes, yeah. Right. You know, I I would say, kind of what I the way I would have answered it for you is, at every point in your life, like you were put in a position where you were not happy with the circumstances that you were in. Yeah. And with your personality, with the, who the, who you are, you don't accept those circumstances. Like, mm-hmm. you, you demand higher standards, you want to be the best that you can be, and you want everyone around you to be the best that they can be. And so every situation that you've talked about, whether it was from you know, your high school team and, and, you know, just not liking how that was going and getting kicked off and coming back and, like, leading the team to success and then, you know, with your club team, like, you know, them getting demoted and, and you know, going to find a better situation for yourself, not just for yourself, but, you know, to, for yourself, yeah. but, you know, more so to put yourself in an environment to be successful and then, you know, then into college and then into coaching, like you found, you're very ambitious and you've, you've run into these same circumstances over and over again and you continue to face them head on and overcome them and not just allow whatever circumstances you're in to dictate what you become. Exactly. I want to, I want to find the best place for myself as well as well as, as the best for the kids I'm coaching, whether we're kids or adults, you yeah. know, and, and like, you put it kind of, like, in the best way, it's just, I, I don't, I don't want to, 
I don't want to be complacent in one place and just one day wake up and be like, oh man, like, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. Why am I here? Why did I allow myself to be here? So like, how ambitious I am, yeah, I, I have floated around uh, place to place just trying to find the right spot for me to grow within that place, you know? And that's, I think that's a big reason why you and I get along so well is because I'm the same exact way. Yeah. But the difference is I've built my own exactly. home yeah. to where I don't, I, I create my own circumstances, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I've, I had, you know, coached at a couple of different high schools and, you know, worked a couple of different jobs and just nothing is for me. And, and it's like, it's, if it's not one thing, it's another and just not the standard that I hold myself to. And, you know, so I built Footy Factory on that um, on that, you know, hope of creating the absolute best situation for myself, for the coaches that work with me, and for all the players that come through as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I can I can say another challenge is uh, it's finances. Yeah, yeah, it's finances. That's that's a that's a huge huge challenge that I've faced, and you know, as time goes. It, it's getting better, but I, I think with staying in one spot as well, finding the right spot and staying in one spot, that helps out. Yeah. Because you, you can grow within there. And, For sure. And, and I've never I've never had a complaint um, um, from a parent or a player saying, you know, the that what they're learning is the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the best thing, I think, out of anything. It's just like I've never had a complaint like that, and, and – uh, a lot of people hold me in high regards and that's something I'm appreciative about, you know. Yeah. And once the finances start coming in, that's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, we're in a profession where, unfortunately, like, it takes a lot longer to build that up, mm-hmm. you know, like, we're not in the tech industry where you can just make one little app and boom, you're a bajillionaire. Right. Right. Like it takes time, but like yeah, you know, we're we're both setting our futures up very well. Yes, and that's all you can do. You know, yes. just keep doing the right things and, and keep being the best you can be. True, so, true. Um, why do you think you know, looking at the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome them, why do you think that people don't overcome them? Why do you think that people fail? Um, I I think that sometimes maybe it gets too tough. And they decide to quit and get, kind of go do something mediocre. Um, other times, I think it's just they 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 don't um, they don't seek the knowledge of, of, of uh, they don't seek the knowledge of what they're doing, and and then they get entrapped mm-hmm. and in in their own cycle. And when when that happens, it's hard to get out, you know, and. Um, and then sometimes it's too late, and I, I I think with if if you if you if you just have the ambition, the work ethic, and you seek out that knowledge, you I think you'll always be fine. Like no matter like, and I tell that myself all the time because, you know, I've I've tried to always keep all those three, and once I've gotten the knowledge, I know that I can be put anywhere within the sport and do well yeah you know and and that's that's just um yeah that's just sometimes i think why some people fail is just 
they're not they get comfortable with where they're at. Yeah. You know, they get yeah. put in a circumstance that they're not happy with and instead of doing something about it like you and I would, mm-hmm. they just accept it and exactly. they they make it part of their life. Some, and then and then like you said, before they realize that it's a problem, it's already too late. Exactly. And then there's a it's a much bigger hole to dig themselves out. Sometimes people see it as a sprint instead of a marathon. So they try to get to that place as quick as possible. Yeah. Rather than trying to find the ways to be in that place as long as possible, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, if if you if you take the the um, if you take the uh, what's called the the first one, um, the former, then it's always going to be you're going to get there, but you don't know how long you're going to last. You know, you gotta you gotta plan it out to where you're going to last there for a long, long mm-hmm. time. And if you do that, I think you'll always you'll you'll always be great. Yeah. I think I think if there's a lot of uh, players and just coaches that I mean throughout any sports you can look at them you can just be like they set themselves up to be there for the longest duration possible oh, yeah. you know and so somebody like I could say uh, LeBron James man LeBron James could have career could have ended by now you know he could have been over with yeah. but he he strives to be better better and it's not only just within the game it's just taking care of his body yeah it's mentally but also his politics in the game yeah like people hate about how he moves teams but it's kind of smart how he moves teams man because you need the he right stays relevant yeah. yeah you need the right like last year was the was the first time he's missed the playoffs yeah in years man that's crazy that's crazy to always make the playoffs throughout your I mean, career, he had been man. to eight straight finals by himself yes. or was it Five. It was, it was so, something crazy. Yeah. yeah, he's been to almost. Uh, he's been through a, a lot of yeah. finals within his career, and it's just, it's how he politics the game. It just he wants to be in it for the longest time possible, and just even now, just how he put that Lakers team together is just, it's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's just stuff like that. It's just ridiculous. He he just doesn't want to fail with what he does, so he always puts himself in the right position to always succeed, always yeah. succeed, always succeed. And he never stops working. Man. You gotta, you gotta respect that. Exactly, you got to. So then, on the flip side of that, what does success mean to you? Uh, success. What does it mean to me? Um, of course, within coaching, it's it's watching your players grow. It's always seeing your players be better than they were the day before, and it's not just within the technical and tactical parts, but just as a human being. Like, I always uh, try to tell my players or whoever I see, you know, there's only three things you can control in life and that's your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. And I like to see players who take that and run with it and just grow as a player and just day to day being consistent and, and hold themselves accountable, having humility to learn and just keep keep getting better and better and better and better, more responsible, more disciplined, more organized with themselves, you know. Um, for me, that's just seeing, as a coach, that's seeing a person uh, succeeding. And that, that's, that's what I feel like is successful to me is to see that human being grow, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, because, of course, like, we're in the business of player development. So, of course, seeing your player develop into the best person he can be, that's just... That's satisfaction. That's and it's hard to measure that, success. though. You know, yeah. it's hard to be like, oh, well, you know, this player has maximized their potential, or this player still has more room to grow. I mean, everyone has room to grow, yeah. but it's, you it's, know, it's not so much on, on the lines of of just them in a soccer player standpoint. 
It's just sure, like, sure, sure. But what I'm like, saying is, it's it's hard to clearly see that, feel it in yourself, and also show it to the parents or people on the outside. And I mean, you could say it's subjective, but at the same time, it's like some of the stuff you set upon them. Like I have an 06 player who I think is a phenomenal player and kid could be easily played DA and I think the kid's going to go pro. And one of the first conversations I had with him was, you know, um, you see yourself and where you're at with this team. What I'm looking more from you is a more leadership role. You know, you, you understand the game. You see the game. You can play the game. You can cover so much ground. You understand when to move the ball, when to play the penetrating pass, when to counterattack, you know, when to hold the ball and be simple. And now I'm just like, I want you to, to lead more now. And he doesn't speak a lot, and I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm, I don't want to push him to speak more and, like, be out of his box, but I want him to lead more by example. Like, mm-hmm. every practice you got to compete, man, because you got to teach some of these new kids how to compete, you know? You just, on a day-to-day basis, they got to be able to compete, so you need to be at your best day-to-day through training so that they can keep up and learn how to keep up with you, yeah. you know? And, that, and that's something that he's done fantastic through this first part of the season. And something like that is just seeing, seeing that person grow like that, that's, I feel like that's success on my part. Another kid on my team, it, it was more about being, being consistent on what you do. Don't allow your words that you, 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 um, you talk about, because he likes to be like arrogant a little bit. I'm like, don't allow your words to um, overtake what you try to do in the games. Because sometimes he'll love to be arrogant, then he'll step in the game like, oh man, I'm not doing as good as what I said I was yeah, really yeah. doing and whatnot. And then you see him just kind of like sink in the game, and I just tell him, hey man, just kind of be a little bit more humble and, and set the standards for yourself and what you know you can do. But don't try to over talk it and then you can't keep up with your words and you're always chasing your words right and I was just like you know set yourself in a motion of where you're always going to be consistent on like or always try to find yourself in a, in a place where you want to be consistent on what you do always try to find your foot in the game you know don't always say oh man I'm going to score six goals today and now you're struggling to score just one you know just always try to find your foot in the game whether it's moving the ball whether it's you take on a player whether it's now this game, I'm not doing all this stuff, so now i got to work hard defensively. You know, just sure. little stuff like that. And through the last six games I've seen him, uh, three soccer, three futsal, I mean, the kid's just been consistent on that. And, and I, I just just stuff like that, you know, I love to see him. He's become a better player, you know. He sees it more and sees it more and sees it more and sees it more. And so that's stuff where only you know, really, whether it was successful or not, but let me say, but look, but look, but look, but look, it's not only me, it's because I can have parents come up to me and right. say the same thing. But what I'm saying on that is the most important thing is that you are happy with where you are and you're proud of how far that you've come or what you've done with yourself. And so success is in yourself. It can't be determined by anyone outside of you. Mm-hmm. And if you only rely on other people's validations or opinions, then you will never truly be happy with where you are and what you've done. So I think that is part of what you're saying with that. But no, because it's my, but okay. So where, where I'm trying to say mostly is that that is my own validation. 
right about what I see with the kids in the house. Yeah. So, so, so you know, you know that you accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter what anyone else says about that because you know that you did your job. You know you did it to the best of your ability and you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Do you agree with that? Oh, oh. <laughs> keep going, my bad. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I feel like if it's if it's something, um, an accomplishment that I set out for myself, then, then yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. If if it's my validation of, of what I've set out for myself, then then yes, I see that as a success, like to see that person grow. And awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's great, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking back through your playing career, it can be either a player that you played with, a player that you admired that played at a professional level, or a coach that you had, or uh, another coach that you saw at a professional level. Who has been your biggest inspiration coming up? Ooh. You know, one of my biggest, one of the people that have been the biggest inspiration is uh, a guy named Tim Grover. Okay. Um, he was a personal trainer to like Michael Jordan, yeah. LeBron James. Uh, I read his book, yes, Relentless. Yes, I love that book. Yeah. Like when I read that book, it changed my aspect about how I am as a person, how I'm going about stuff, and just. Um, where am I? Where am I taking myself? And am I taking myself on the right path for where I want to be? You know. And after I read that book, I looked at how I prepared myself for games, like just playing a soccer game or anything like that. And I started trying to prepare myself that way day to day about work. And when when I started doing that, I started seeing a lot more success in my day to day work. Um, how uh, how I put myself in a, in positions um, where I was going, how I was training the kids, you know. And actually, one of the first times I started actually using that was when I was working with you. Yeah. And I, I felt like I was growing fast, and um, the teams were growing fast, and the organization was growing fast, and I really enjoyed that. And then I took it to me with college, and I kept doing it through there. And those was tough times. Kept doing it through there, and I try to do it day to day now. Like try to live it day to day now. I love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, you know, going back to, I guess we'll say this: if you could go back to any time in your life, like, what would be the one piece of advice that you would have given to yourself at a specific time that was most important to you at that time? So, um, one would be kind of understanding as a person where I'm at in, in college. One is college. Understanding where I was at um, being a player and transitioning faster from a player to a coach. Um, I think I, uh, I didn't. I don't think I took that as serious as I should have. I mean, I loved being a player, and I focused on that a lot. And I'm not taking anything away from that. It's just I felt like I kind of should have worried about, man, where am I going to be in a few years? Yeah. Like, taking steps to getting my licenses quicker. Yeah. Um, and then another one 
was um, when when I was making that jump to uh, like in 2016 when I was making that jump from city futsal to coaching other places, doing more research about where I was going, what I'm going to be doing, um, the place, the the school, like all those those type of things. I'll never take those journeys back, but just kind of understanding more about. I was so ambitious and ready to go, 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 go that, um, and just drop knowledge of what I know that I, I don't think I did as much research about what I'm getting myself into. Type yeah. stuff, you just know? being more self-aware. Exactly. Aware of your yourself and also everything that you're surrounded with. Exactly. And yeah. so it, it would probably make it easier for me to grow and kind of be, um, what's it called kind of not move around as much I guess you can say you know and those are the two things like especially college man I wish I was more self-aware in college to about my future outside of college you know it's kind of more live in the day-to-day type thing rather than thinking more about the future and what I need for those steps to be a better coach you know sure so so what's next for you what do you what is what is the you know, one year, five year, ten year plan. So right now, uh, I have the three teams, um, and what I'm trying to work uh, with the uh, club and negotiate with the owners is to take on more of a coaching director's role. Um, so that's what's in the works for this whole next year is trying to put myself in a place to be a coach's director, bring in some coaches um, that are willing to not only learn more about the game and, and like how we approach things but at the same time bring in their own um, abilities and whatnot and enthusiasm and just love for the game you know yeah. uh, we don't want to uh, me as, as a person and me being a coaching director I don't want to bring in somebody that's just going to be berating kids mm-hmm. and someone that's just going to ignore the curriculum that we do and ignore the methodology that we have and just kind of just treat it as a ah, this is my nine to five. Yeah. You know, like that loves the game that like you like you and me that put work in day to day to day to day to day about the game and the kids that you coach and and how you wanna bring it out into the community and the people around you, you know, like I wanna bring in like minded coaches, you know, yeah. and just good people, you know, just good people. Hey, I'm right there with you, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, brother. I feel you. So as we wrap up, um, what message would you like to leave the listeners with? What is what is one thing that you really want them to take away from this this whole episode, from you as a person, from your journey, your story? Uh, man, just always keep working hard, you know? If you believe in something, go after it. Um, get surround yourself with people who want to be as successful as you do it doesn't have to be in the same field it just 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 like-minded people you know like that is something over these last year maybe that i've lost i've lost contact with some people that are just more like-minded like I probably need to start hanging out with you more, yeah. you know, because we, we we have great discussions. Yeah, and we just talk about stuff that it, it's good bouncing off ideas, you know. And once you see you start to lose that, you kind of you're like, shoot, man, I feel like I'm losing myself. You kind of stuck. Myself. Yeah, exactly. You're just kind of like trying to figure stuff out, and you're not you're not as 
as um, organized day to day about what you're thinking about doing, you're kind of just scatterbrained, you know. So stay stay around uh, people. Stay around people who are going to push you to be the best that you're going to be in your field, or even just like-minded people that. I mean, someone can own an ice cream shop and just want to succeed through ice cream, and you're you're a soccer coach, but you guys have the same thought process of success and just day-to-day work and organization, protocol, stuff like that, you know? Because then, I mean... Everything is connected to everything. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't get sidetracked by distractions, you know? Distractions are just kind of obsolete to you, you know? Right. You just, you move within your, your bubble and you go, man. And you yeah. go and you go and you go and that's, that's something that I think people should take a liking to. And I think that's something should, that should be taught to younger kids. I try to tell my kids all the time to some, sometimes you're, you're not, your best friend isn't always going to be your best friend through what you're trying to achieve. And sometimes the kid that you think is the dorkiest kid alive may be the most like-minded person to you. So you should bounce ideas off that person. Just don't dislike him because of he likes to play Pokemon and you like to play Call of Duty or something yeah. like that, you know? Like, he may have the same, like, um, wavelength as frequency as you about achieving stuff, you know? Bounce ideas off that person, and then you, you'll see, like, man, you, you guys are right side by side, and you guys have more in common than you probably do with your best friend, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's my, that's my thing, man. Awesome, man. Bobby, <laughs> my man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, Thank sir. you so much for yes, your sir. time. I appreciate um, it, man. I really know, enjoyed this. For really sure. Yeah. This, we'll yeah. do it again. Yes. We'll do a follow-up. Please, please, you know, man. I, I, only, you know, I know we only just scratched the surface. Like You and I could probably talk all day if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but you know, we only have so much time. We don't want to bore these people. So. I feel you. Um, we'll definitely do it again sometime. Okay. You know, um, we'll think of a specific topic that we want to focus on and and go from there but hey man call me sometime yeah i will brother yeah <laughs> i got to man i got to man i'm terrible at it but i got to all right man. To. yes sir guys thanks so much for listening this was bobby and Drogate. bobby mm-hmm. how can people get in touch with you um so you can get in touch with me um uh through my cell phone uh shoot me a call a text uh City Futsal website, uh, cityfutsalfc.com. Um, I'm, I, I should have my profile on there with my teams. Um, but email robert at cityfutsal.com. That's my work email. So, you know, get in touch with me through there. Um, yeah. I don't know if I want to leave my cell phone number. <laughs> Too many people just... just giving me uh, just random text or something yeah. like that. But, uh, get in touch with me through my email, then I'll shoot you my cell phone. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time, or I guess we won't see you, but you'll hear us next time <laughs> on the footy pod. Peace. Peace.